Welcome to the APL Next Ed Minipod, where for a few minutes each week, academic leaders share insights and perspectives on the most important issues and opportunities facing academic teams. Learn how other schools are managing and strategizing for success as your host, CEO and founder of APL Next Ed, Kathleen Gibson, gathers and connects practical seeds of knowledge and experience from her guests. We are continuing a wonderful conversation that we began with John Joseph, president of Georgia Gwinnett College. If you haven't heard the first part of the conversation, I uh, recommend that you go and you listen to the first half and then join us here as we hear more terrific insights by this uh, incredible leader in higher education. We'll reconvene with the conversation now. I wonder how much you believe that mission has to do with all of this. I mean, it would seem that, you know, if there's a clearly laid out mission and strategy, then when decisions need to be explained, they're explained within the context of what, because it's, you know, it's not, you know, one dictator at the top sort of saying these things and then people having to come along and make a choice as to whether or not they support the leadership. It's, I would imagine a very uh, process with a lot of consensus and one in which Mm -hmm. there is a majority of the group adopting a path, adopting a strategy, and then decisions are made in, in context with that plan or strategy. Is is it important to have a clearly laid out mission, even as you think about solving a problem like this? Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it is. And I think this is why we spend so much time on strategic planning. But one of the, the, the pet peeves I have with strategic planning is strategic planning versus strategic implementation. And I think that's where things begin to fall apart. So we might agree on what we want to do. What we struggle with is how we go about getting there. Um, so that's where the strategic implementation, I think, is far more important and people taking responsibility for parts of the plan, parts of realizing the vision, parts of meeting aspects of the mission. There's no question about it. I mean, everybody has a strategic plan. Every campus has a mission and values and, and vision statement. And if you really honestly look at them, they're very similar. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, um, for research institutions, it's about rank in various departments and all of that fun stuff. That's what they do respectfully. We are an undergraduate institution. We work with access students. Our key mission is to get them within our walls, provide them with all the support they need so that they could be successful and graduate and go on and be informed, productive citizens. Most campus have the same mission for the undergraduate students. So the question is how you go about that is where people disagree. And the faculty may have a perspective of how you go about doing that and what it entails. And the staff may have a different, you know, and from one department to the other, it might be different. And I think this is where it's, it's broken because we do have a lot of autonomy in higher ed even the most junior faculty member on mm-hmm. our campuses have far more autonomy in his or her work and in his or her everyday experiences and how to go about the work than most jobs out there. So even with that, 
we could create this space where we uh, struggle to build trust because we have autonomy, because we believe that we can accomplish what we believe is a professional mission and a professional goal, which out uh, basically, I wouldn't say the word is support, but we basically in a, a way of as junior faculty, and I can speak for myself here when I say I'm not judging anybody, I'm speaking for myself. I felt just stay out of my way, basically. Yeah. Just don't get in my way. And that's just the nature of how we train and how we enter higher ed. So with that very complex and yet still at the same time autonomous um, structure that we're in, where we are sort of self-managing in the faculty, then you have to bring the faculty now from individual to collective, mm -hmm. then to agree on mission and implementation of mission with the administrators, and then you have this problem. And then there's this struggle that we have of, I would say, not lacking, but missing empathy. For me, I keep reminding myself, and I can only work for myself in some of these areas, and I can speak for myself, so I'm not judging others when I say it, but for me, I fight to remember how I felt when, right. <laughs> and I fight to remember how I perceived others when, and I truly believe when I was a junior faculty, well, if I was the department chair... Right. Certainly, I wouldn't do the schedule this way, or I would do the review this way. And, and then, of course, moving into that level, well, if I am the dean, certainly, mm -hmm. well, then I became. And then, of course, you move up. And, and of course, even sometimes at the senior, most senior levels of the institution, you believe, well, you know what, if I was the president, well, I don't know, I would probably approach it this way, I'll do it this way. And then lo and behold, you got up one morning, and you're the president, and you realize <laughs> it's not that simple. So the, so the, so it's, it's, so it's the missing understanding of the complexity that you see as you navigate your way through the institution. And for us as administrators, I think, because we are now in this role and we have sort of transitioned through the others, we have a greater responsibility to have the empathy mm -hmm. because we had the chance to be in the shoes of the faculty at the various ranks. And for some of us who have ascended through the ranks at the staff level may not know the faculty level ranks because they didn't go through it. I am fortunate right. to have that in this conversation and this experience. But when I think about understanding the staff ranks that I haven't gone through, I look to my other vice presidents who have walked through those staff ranks to guide me and support my, my own vision of how their work should be, support how I should approach and help them, my staff, navigate the college campus experience. Right. So I borrow from their empathy and I lend off my empathy having been in those ranks. And I think we have to do that because we are the quote unquote administrators, us over on the dark side with this some <laughs> sort of a, and, and I would call it the pseudo power or, and it's really not power. It is a power that is perceived by the ones who don't have what you are doing. It's a perceived power to do when in many ways, what we find is more and more constraints as we see more and more of the institutional structure and the competing 
decisions that we have to make, but that's what we signed up for. And we have to keep doing it. We have to keep fighting for it. And we have to communicate, communicate, communicate in any possible way that we can, our decisions and the whys and the hows and the process of those decisions. I love a few things that you said. I actually jotted these (laughs) phrases down. This idea of strategic implementation, right? I mean, we're Mm -hmm. all so focused on the planning, but Mm -hmm. how brilliant would it be to sit down and say, okay, you guys all signed up for this. Everybody's clap, you know, patting themselves on the back, clapping. We're all fired Mm -hmm. up that we're going to do this. Okay. Whose budget is this coming out of? Exactly. Right. And, and then that's a whole different sort of conversation, but certainly one that I think if you've got that navigated ahead of time, when those decisions come, provided there's some context, there's some explanation, that sort of black box isn't as detrimental or Mm -hmm. there isn't a perception that there is sort of stuff happening that people don't understand. In in a lot of ways, those conversations have been had. Um, I love also what you say, this missing understanding, you know, (laughs) not misunderstanding, but missing understanding. And we, I mean, I, I look at that again, culturally, I look at that in higher education leadership, even in business leadership, this, this sort of missing understanding and lack of empathy, lack of being able to, to put yourself in, in somebody else's shoes. I remember reading 30 years ago when I was teaching a study that came out of University of Michigan about what a tremendous detriment this is going to be on our society when, mm-hmm. when we started to see levels of empathy plummeting and particularly mm-hmm. in a democracy. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I think you're right. It's incumbent upon leaders to be the example of empathy, be the example of, you know, that missing understanding. Another point you raised really, I think, is interesting as well, and perhaps provides an explanation for the perceived or the, 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 the divide that exists. And that is just the physical way in which institutions were set up and the organizational way in which institutions were set up where there is, you know, tremendous autonomy between and among faculty, even in a department, but then at the department level compared to the college level and the the college level compared to the administrative executive level. Um, How much do you think that that organizational structure along with just the way graduate students are sort of cultured in their, in their Mm -hmm. graduate education Um, And then, you know, that er early sort of priming that happens in your early faculty days, how much of of what we're talking about can be attributed attributed to those sorts of things? Yeah, you know, and I remember when I taught biology and introductory ecology, one of the things we talked about, the hierarchical levels in our society um, and just in how life is arranged in the ecosystem and how messages in our case move up at a 10% for each level. There's so much just lost in, in the translation. You know, we play that game as kids telephone to see how the message changes. I think all institutions that are layered like this and most higher ed institution is probably layered five levels within the institution. You know, if you look at yourself, you know, as, as a junior faculty with a chair, you know, with, with a dean, with a provost, and then a president, we counted five levels. And you, the junior faculty may not feel as if they have access to hearing from the president, except, as I say, with these letters and tongue halls. But 
by allowing and opening up and sharing a space for anybody to make an appointment, I have been able to hear directly, even if it's for 15 minutes, but I have done follow-ups with anybody who wants to hear, wants to get directly into my space and share with me one-on-one. So I think that helps, but you're correct. And then when we look outside of the institution, we have to be responsive in some places to a president or a chancellor and multiple board members. So, and then of course, there's a whole community at large. So they, so I think it's easier for faculty if when they have that opportunity, and certainly this is about faculty, but some staff members to cocoon back into right. the closest space that they feel comfortable, the closest space where they could have the conversation. And this is not a judgment on them as faculty. This is just a human experience that we all have and we all share. So going back into that place where the conversation moves in that circle of, um, I would say, unity of mindset, my department Mm -hmm. could further create that space, that, that sense of a divide. Nobody's hearing us. Nobody's listening to us. We all have to have the courage to fight out of that space, fight out of that spiral, to actively pedal out of that space into another environment. But I think for the junior faculty or the faculty in the department, that's a tougher ask of them. So I, I, I still go back and I say, we, the administration, as we are defined, have to take the first step So I say, please invite me to your department meeting. And I have gone to department meeting. Please invite me to your college meeting. Send me a list of questions you would like me to address so I could prepare to give you good answers and truthful answers so I don't have to defer everything and say, well, I'll get back to you. Mm-hmm. because you don't want to be disingenuous. You want, right. to be, you want to be truthful. You want to be accurate. You want to not just fake sincere. You want to be truly sincere. So I think the structure um, is not the best structure for that level of communication. And it's, it's a strange structure because in, in the private world, right. in the private business world, even if that structure exists at the three and four levels, it doesn't also link to the autonomy of the employee. Right. <laughs> so we have that structure and then we have the autonomy of the part. It's, it's a really unusual structure we have in higher ed. It has worked for us for a long, long time. The question we have for ourselves, with it being tested and being pushed further and further in the more, I would say in the last few decades, with these sort of a massive fracturing that we have seen where the faculty went online to teach and we still came to campus and came to our offices, it has further um, separated us and, and we have to fight for it because we are, as you say, at the, I would say that pivotal point where it could break. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And mm-hmm. it, it's in some ways, I think, uh, a nod to the importance of faculty that we're having this conversation, I think, on a national level. Mm-hmm. And obviously, faculty bear some responsibility in navigating bridge building, mm-hmm. creating connection and collaboration. And it's really something that 
needs to come through those leadership channels if it's going to get disseminated, either it's through mission or a combination of mission and culture. Although, you know, there is that human element, right, that, we all, uh, that we're all always dealing with. And I'm not saying at all, Kathleen, that this is all falling on the administration. Absolutely not. I'm not saying that both sides have to be receptive for this. And I do believe the faculty have a responsibility. I sort of like did the example of a junior faculty member and where he or she might feel comfort. But faculty, senior level um, faculty, particularly, who are leaders in governance, chairs of committees, faculty who have actually either had dean roles and are now in faculty roles, um, associate deans. There's so many people who have that faculty rank who also have that voice. And I think it's very important, as I said before, that all of us assume goodwill and all of us add value to conversations, bring solutions to conversations, bring positivity to those things that are driving us crazy when we're trying to solve them, rather than simply stirring the pot or yeah. saying, well, I don't know what's going on. And I, I don't know. The administration, I don't know what the cabinet's doing. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Well, you know, that's the easy way out. Right. That's too easy. And, and, and as many faculty don't do that. Right. But some faculty do. And then the question then becomes for all of us, how do we hold ourselves, mm -hmm. our colleagues and our closest knit groups accountable right. for solution building rather than propagation and feeding of divisive rhetoric between the people who we all share one thing in common. Right. We got up this morning, as we get up every morning, and we decided to come into this space to add value. Right. And the biggest value of all is how do we help our students be successful? I refuse to believe that there are people who get up in the morning choosing to find <laughs> ways to break it, right. to sm smash it apart, to feel not supported, to feel not connected. So then the question is, if you get up and you still feel that, what choice are you going to make in the day and in the moment and the time and the space and the conversations that you have to build it? Right. Or are you going to sustain the breakage? Right. Are you going to grow it? Are you going to further divide it? Those are just choices we make every right. day. Even being cognizant of that, though, I think, yes. is because we all sort of shift back into that habit and, mm -hmm. you know, we, we aren't even conscious sometimes that yeah, we say we agree with this mission. We say we agree with this mm -hmm. strategy. We we want to be part of this team. We want this affiliation. We want to be part of the celebration when we achieve these goals, when students are successful, when these things happen. Mm -hmm. Yet, what am I doing right now? What am I, you know, am I, am I living in a way that I'm making conscious decisions about whether I'm moving us closer toward that goal or further away? And exactly. You know, yeah. I think... Um, it's an interesting time because I think it's, it's harder and harder with all this distractions to remain conscious of, mm -hmm. but your point is, is a great one and a great sort of mantra for anyone who finds themselves part of a bigger cause or a, an organization or trying to achieve a mission. And that is, is what I'm going to say going to move us forward or is it going to move us backward? And, exactly. and that is something that everybody has responsibility to, yes. to attend to. 
Yeah. And, you know, we can't say we want autonomy and not take that personal choice and use it to move the institution forward. Because when the institution moves forward in a positive way, we all benefit. Where your institution has a good reputation, you know, we might say, well, we have problems with enrollment. We have to cancel classes or we have to make adjustments. Well, an institution with a strong reputation of supporting students and building ourselves up within the community would have less and less of a problem with recruiting. And therefore, each one of us feels a good impact from that. So it's a choice we have to make. It's a personal responsibility. But when we talk about mission, when we talk about values, when we talk about strategic implementation, it's very important that for each of us at the institution, no matter where we serve, we ask ourselves, are my professional goals aligned with the institution goals? Is my professional mission mm-hmm. of what I want to do in my career aligned with the institution? And finally, on a personal perspective, when I look at myself as a citizen, as a human being, given the privilege to occupy the space that I occupy today, is my choice and my actions that I am choosing today aligned with the mission of the institution where I'm serving, mm-hmm. where I am paid a wage, where I get the benefits, where I get a literal business card that is so important to me. <laughs> that is such a big part of my identity. Right. Are my personal choices in support of the benefits that I get from being a part of this organization? And we all make those choices we all ask those questions or we could or should ask those questions. And then we have to answer it ourselves. Nobody could make that choice for you. But for me, for my choices, I choose to add value. I choose to use the voice and the space to make my campus a better place every day. That's just my choice. Yeah. It's, um, it's wonderful speaking with you and hearing all of your great wisdom and counsel. Uh, I'm my sort of closing thought related to what you just said, and then I'd love to have, I feel like Mike Pence here, like I'm going to end up with a giant. I have this fly flying. In front of I my saw face that. I, I feel like I'm going to end up with some <laughs> giant bug. Well, you my- could be a star and Saturday Night Live. So, yeah. <laughs> 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 um, one of the things that I mean, I'm seeing as a huge trend, and it's so interesting because I think the respect and regard for college teaching is is never been higher in, mm-hmm. in recent times than it's been right now. Again, as evidence, you know, looking at resourcing and and pedagogy and andragogy and all of these kinds of things that are investments that schools are making again, faculty are making again. In some ways, I mean, I, I'm a political scientist by trade, not an economist, but I tend to, maybe it's being raised in a, a capitalistic country or something, but mm-hmm. even looking at the trends in, in this shrinking world we're in and in this competitive and consolidating market that we all happen to work in, it's kind of harming yourself when you're not doing the exercise that you mentioned, which is asking yourself those three questions about alignment, because 
students are making tremendous sacrifices. Their families are making sacrifices. Mm -hmm. They're making opportunity sacrifices to go to school. And if they have the opportunity to attend a school where they're going to be assured that they have 110% engaged faculty, staff, and administrators, and they know that because of what they read in social media or because of what they hear from their friends or because of what the parents tell them or whomever it is that that is offering the talk trigger or the marketing message, the PR, you know, then, then the school's going to be successful. But I think the very opposite can happen too. I think that if everybody doesn't get aligned and come on board, it can be, um, it can be a, a devastating mm-hmm. sort of um, trajectory. Um, yes. And so I think you're exactly right. I think that there's, I think, personal and institutional considerations Um, but also uh, sustainability considerations. If you don't have the best faculty and the best staff and the best administrators all performing to achieve the mission of the institution, which again, getting back to where we started, has to be about the student and has to be about moving them as many steps forward as you can get them in the time that you have them. Yeah, I agree. You know, and you're right. It, It sort of comes back to where we started the concept of being supported and what does that mean and connected and what does that mean? Um, because those are the questions that we build in this conversation of, and those are the keywords. You do not feel supported or connected. Um, the feeling is very personal. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that you are not supported. It doesn't mean that you are not connected, but you don't feel it. And, and, and that takes two. So as I have already offered, I think the administration, the onus is on us to go further. Right. That's on us. I think anybody who doesn't accept that, again, I respect their choice. But for me, for my administration, for, for Georgia Gwinnett College, we take that responsibility to go further right. in, in the place of communication, of connection. Um, but what we can't necessarily do is change our personal feel mm-hmm. how a person feels towards the administration we could only let them know how we feel That's towards right. them that we feel that is our responsibility to connect we feel is our responsibility to support and we are acting it out in these specific ways as i have described and so many others i'm sure the colleagues across higher ed would have but we cannot change that. So this is why I think going back into the ranks of the faculty and the leaders in the faculty, and the leaders in the faculty, as I said, are not necessarily always the chairs or the faculty senate. They're voices that are leadership voices. How are those individuals actively engaged, not Mm -hmm. actively disengaged in the mission, but how are they actively engaged in the mission and the shared values with the administration and with their colleagues to bring that measured voice, that reasonable voice, that voice of explanation, that voice of interpretation, the voice of context and the history of how it used to be, but why they understand why it can't be anymore because Mm -hmm. of the changes. How are those individuals working? Because I think that's what's gonna change some of the feeling because those people are more trusted mm-hmm. to advance and change 
the feelings of support and connectiveness that is missing from this survey. Yeah, those insights have been tremendous. As always, I'm inspired and have learned so much from our conversation. Likewise. So grateful for the time that you were willing to spend with us today and all the people who are going to benefit from hearing our conversation. For those of you listening, you can subscribe or share this message. You can find it on our website at aplnexted.com. And again, President Joseph, uh, congratulations on your position. Uh, congratulations on your success. Your words are, are words that should lead your team into tremendous success and tremendous accomplishment of helping many, many, many students achieve their goals and their dreams and find an education that is going to open all sorts of doors for them as it has for you and I. And so Godspeed as you, as you continue on your journey and uh, just a pleasure to speak with you today. Thank you. Thank you. I am celebrating two years today and the job at Georgia Gwinnett College. Yay, I, congratulations. I, I couldn't be happier and um, so happy to lead a team here of amazing people. Um, I, I couldn't be more happy. I couldn't be more excited for the future, not just for us here at Georgia Gwinnett and in Georgia, but all across higher ed. I think as much as we might feel a little bit pessimistic, we have good days ahead of us. For sure, for sure. All, all the best. Thank, Thank you, you so much. very much. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you to today's guest and thank you to you, our listeners. You can find out more about our guest in the show notes. We hope the APL Next Ed Minipod is a helpful resource to you and your teams. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast and share it with your colleagues. The APL Next Ed Minipod is brought to you by APL Next Ed the leading academic operations platform helping academic teams connect and collaborate in one place. To learn more about how APL NextEd is helping schools streamline academic operations, visit aplnexted.com.